everybody, and welcome back to the Out to Be podcast. It's your host, Katie Zaccardi. On this week's episode, my guest is Chelsea Weiner. She is a communication and leadership expert who uses the Myers-Briggs to guide conversations. And in this episode, we are going to be talking all about the Myers-Briggs, which I'm sure you've heard about before. But if not, it is, of course, another personality modality, if you will, that you can use to learn more about yourself. And what's great about this one is it really helps us understand ourselves as well as understand others without having to know like a million different types. Uh, you know, you don't have to know the nine Enneagram types or all of the astrological signs to be able to figure out how you relate to others. This one is a lot more simple in that way. Uh, and can really help you understand how you operate and how others operate, and therefore how you can communicate and work together in your businesses and in your personal life. So I'm really excited to dive into today's episode, and I don't have any news for you guys, really. (laughs) There's no announcements before we dive in, but I do just want to say, number one, thank you for being such a loyal listener to the podcast. I appreciate it so much, and I've really enjoyed doing this personal development series over the summer. We've got a couple episodes left and we're going to kind of start to tie everything we've learned together and talk about how we can apply it in our lives, in the manifestation process, in the sales process, and all of these juicy things. So it was for fun, but it's also because this stuff informs your business. So again, thank you so much for being a loyal listener. And if you want to take a second now to go and rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean so much to me because I really want to get this into the ears of more people out there who it could support. More musicians, more women in music, uh, more, you know, women entrepreneurs. So I really want to spread the word. So take a second to rate and review if you haven't already. I would be eternally grateful. And I also want to thank everyone who applied for Out to Launch Patreon and joined. We, at the time I'm recording this, I'm still finishing up enrollment, but this launch has been absolutely incredible. There's so many of you who took action and who joined, and I can't wait to get started with you guys in September. So That is really it for me today. As you can tell, I'm in like a sappy mood. (laughs) So I'll leave it at that. And let's go ahead and dive into today's episode with Chelsea, all about the Myers-Briggs. Hey, Chelsea, and welcome to the Out to Be podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really excited to have you here today. We are going to talk about Myers-Briggs, which is something that While this is one of the last episodes that's going to come out around our personal development series, this is probably the first modality I ever heard of. And it's been around for years and years and years, and I feel like a lot of people know about it. So I think that this episode is going to be super juicy uh, and give you a much better understanding of your Myers-Briggs if you already know it. uh, And if you don't, then it'll definitely give you an understanding of it. Um, So before we dive in, Chelsea, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So my name is Chelsea Lombroso, and I work uh, in the collegiate environment. I'm an assistant director for our leadership center. And with that, we do a lot of leadership and professional development training for students. Uh, And I was fortunate enough to become Myers-Briggs certified. So I am a certified uh, trainer coach with that. But I realized that while students love hearing the information and love learning more about themselves, there's so much more that I can do with this information. 
Uh, so with that, I started my own company, which is Chelsea Coaches You, uh, ChelseaCoachesU.com. And now I work with couples, individuals, and in the corporate or business setting to help guide conversations by using the Myers-Briggs as a tool. That's amazing. So how did you find Myers-Briggs? Was it something that you had known on your own first or something that you had just gotten into from the workplace? So as you mentioned, it's one of the most widely used personality assessments. And there's, you know, that's, I think that that's a really great thing to share with everyone to start out with. So it's very valid and reliable. I know that there's some fun ones that are floating out there. Like, what is your Harry Potter character? And what does that say about you? (laughs) Yeah, I've never seen Harry Potter. So that will not be an episode on the podcast. And some of my listeners probably are like, what? How could you say that? But it's fine, you guys. (laughs) Yeah, that one might not resonate with everyone, (laughs) but this one really is um, something that a lot of people relate to. I took it way back in college in some of my leadership development classes uh, and then revisited in grad school. I got my master's in post-secondary educational leadership, so how to really bring that leadership into a college setting, into the workplace, Uh, and we focused a lot on our leadership strengths through that as well, so I'm also Clifton Strength certified, which is another Um, personality assessment. But that's really how I found out about it. I had been doing it and then got lucky enough to be sponsored to get the training for it. And that really was at a time in my life that was an important time for me to be learning more about myself. So selfishly, I also got some really good professional and personal development at the same time as getting those skills to share with others. Yeah, yeah. That's what I love about this too. It's like, not only can you deepen the knowledge of yourself, but you can also help others with it. It's really twofold. So for those who, again, whether they've heard of it or not before, I think a good starting point is probably to take a test that will tell you what your letters are. Is that is that how you even say it? What your letters are or what your type is? What do people exactly. say? <laughs> so you would take the, the inventory. We try to stray away from the word test just because test, first of all, sometimes gives people anxiety, but more yeah. like, <laughs> a right versus wrong answer. So a little cliche and cheesy, but there's no wrong answer. It's just all your personality. So yeah, they would take the assessment or the inventory and um, there's, you know, we have access to the copies that we can give out to people. Technically you're supposed to pay for it. There are some um, that are floating around there online that are free versions, a little bit uh, shorter and like more of an abridged version. They're obviously not as valid or reliable, but if someone has, you know, budget constraints, we always would say that that would be fine too. So sometimes people have heard of like 16 personality types. Yeah, that's where I got um, mine like years ago when I was in college too, I used that one. Yeah, so that's one. And and at the end of this, you'll see why it's called 16 personality types, because there are 16 different combinations that you can get. And it's all based off the Myers-Briggs. So yes, uh, no matter what modality they would choose, someone would take the assessment. uh, And as you mentioned, you would get your different letters, which will make sense soon. But uh, there's really different dichotomies that you can get. So you're either extroverted or introverted sensing or intuition, thinking or feeling, and judging or perceiving. And then based off that, there's some combination that you would get of those uh, different dichotomies, and you get a four-letter combination. Uh, And with that, it's really interesting. You can learn so much about yourself, uh, and that's what we can dive into if you want. Let's do it. So let's start. If you haven't taken it yet, pause this, go take it, because it's going to be much easier to follow along, I think, once you have your assessment and you can refer to it. If you have taken it, 
go pull yours up. I had to seek through like three different emails to find mine. <laughs> so I didn't even retake it. I'm actually the, using the one from college. And I'm kind of really curious to hear what we learned today and see if it still fully resonates. Oh, um, yeah, well, that actually brings up a good question too, which is, can we change? Can our letters ever change? Or are they pretty much like, it's set in stone. It's like your astrology birth start. This is, this is what it is. Yeah. And before that, I do want to mention on my website, I have um, an option under my resources tab where people can request um, a free copy of the Myers-Briggs. So if people are looking uh, for a way to get that, it's on my website as well. But yeah, such a good question is, do our types change? And the answer is actually no. If you take this assessment from a time once your personality was already developed. I think it's like your early teenage years is when Myers-Briggs suggests taking it. So of course I wouldn't be like, give it to your five-year-old kid and see what type they are. Yeah. But um, from around your early teen years, your personality is actually somewhat set in stone and won't change. So Katie, your, your results should be the same as when you took it in college. The only caveat to that if is if there was some huge life experience that happened that switched it up for you. Uh, so I believe actually COVID might be a big enough life thing that we've all been going through. Of course, research isn't out there as much for that. But for yeah. example, and this will make sense in the end, for example, maybe you have a near-death car accident or you know near-death experience and you're like, I used to be super planned out and now I just want to enjoy life. Right. That will um, change. But I always tell my students, Maybe going from like your first year of college to your second year of college isn't necessarily a big enough. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it should um, it should be the same and be consistent. Okay, awesome. But yeah, I'll dive in and I'll do somewhat of a abridged version because I'm so passionate about it. I could talk about this for hours and hours, but that would be <laughs> boring for other people. Um, but the first dichotomy that we focus on is one that has words that we're pretty used to, which is extrovert or introvert. And these phrases are actually um, used pretty incorrectly in our everyday knowledge. So it might be a little surprising to you when you hear what it actually means. I think what we normally hear is extrovert means you're outgoing and really friendly and social and introvert means you're shy and quiet. And wow. while sometimes that's the after effect of it, that's actually not what it means. So what that one means is it's where we get our energy, where we get energized from. So if we think of um, an extrovert, they get their energy from other people. So from interacting with other people, that's what kind of fills them up and, and gives them that energy continue to continue on with the day versus introverts will view that as kind of draining. They'll need that time to recharge, to re-energize before moving on. So I always like to use a balloon analogy. So both, you know, we have one extrovert and one introvert both get a great night's sleep and wake up and the extrovert will have an empty balloon and each person that they talk to will kind of fill that balloon up. So by the end of the day, by the end of the interaction, they'll have a full balloon and ready to move on. And the, and the introvert will wake up with a full balloon because they're super rested and you know feel great. And each person they talk to somewhat sucks that air out of the balloon and they'll need that quiet time to recharge. So it doesn't necessarily mean a lot of times some of the biggest and best speakers are really introverted mm -hmm. um, and they're able to speak to hundreds of people. It's just more what they do afterwards. They'll probably want the quiet time, maybe in the dark in their office to be able to 
um, re-energize versus the extrovert will be like, where's the after party? Let's keep going. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of my family, which must be just full of all extroverts. Cause it's literally like you have the first family event and then there's the after party at someone's house. And then there's this, uh, you know what I mean? It just like goes on forever. Whereas an introvert would be like, okay, that was enough. Goodbye. (laughs) I got to go recharge now. Now you get a lot of people though, who are like, I'm in between. I think they call it an ambivert and they, they claim they're in between. Is that actually something that we can be? I mean, do we just more lean one way versus the other? How does that work? You got it exactly right. So the in-between doesn't fully exist in the world of the official Myers-Briggs. So yeah, I hear a lot of times like I'm an introverted extrovert or extroverted introvert. Yeah. And it is somewhat of a sliding scale. It's a little confusing how they word it. So I'll use, um, if we think of like a range, they'll give you how confident they are that you are your type. So let's say you're extrovert, maybe you'll get like 30% extrovert. That means that they're that confident, which is actually pretty confident. I know it doesn't sound, sound super high on the scale, but it's, they're pretty confident that you're going to be an extrovert, but we all have both within us. So I'm an extrovert, but there are certain days when I'm just like, I don't want to interact with people. I'm tired. I need the time to myself. So we both can do some of each. We have both within us. You'll just have a stronger preference. So yeah, it doesn't fully exist. The people who say that probably are more in between. So they like, you know, they can relate to both sides a little bit better. Or like you said, have the misunderstanding as to what it actually means. Like just because you're social doesn't mean that you're not an introvert. It just means that you recharge in certain ways. Um, I'm an extrovert and my thing says 81% certain that that I am an extrovert. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, I feel like it's pretty locked in there. Um, But the way I think of it too is like, if I sat home all day and watched TV, so unless I was like feeling super burnt out and like had been overstimulated by the end of that day, I'll actually feel like I have so much energy that I need to burn and like feel kind of agitated because I didn't do anything and I was all alone. Whereas if I'm with people on the flip side though, I really like being home but I like to entertain. I like to be with people. Mm-hmm. I like to be talking with people. So that's the other thing. I feel like some people will be like, I'm a homebody. I don't like to go out. I'm like, I'm a homebody, but I like get very energized by being with people. <laughs> so, exactly. so maybe you're not like ready to go to the club on a random night, but you like to still be with people and you exactly. get your energy. Yeah. I'm an extrovert as well. And, and I know if I ever had Um, When I lived alone, when I had a few nights with no plans and I just kind of came home after work and like had hours and hours of watching Netflix by myself, I would get sad if I had to do that like two or three days in a row versus that could be maybe an introvert's dream. Um, But it's, it's interesting. This is a lot of times where conflict can come up. And so when I work specifically with couples and in the, in the more business setting as a professional development tool, it's really interesting to learn about the people on the team. So I know you mentioned your family's heavily, heavily extroverts. And if there was that one introvert, uh, you know, few introverts in the family, or if we're thinking of more of a business team, if there's a few introverts on the team, the conflict can arise because, you know, in your family scenario, they're like planning and planning and the introvert maybe would need that time to take a step back. And then you're like, oh my gosh, you know, Jill never wants to participate with us. Why doesn't she like our family? Or, it's it's um, so funny you say that because my dad is definitely an introvert and he's very social, but 
we notice that like sometimes we'll almost get overstimulated and so we'll have parties at our house even if it's just with the family we'll have people over but especially for bigger parties sometimes he'll just like disappear yeah. <laughs> like go upstairs and like be in his office for or find something else to do like oh I need to fix this thing or I need to like take care of this thing really quick um and sometimes it's related to the party but it's also just like oh where did he go and I'm like yeah it's just the introvert being an introvert he needs to escape for a second <laughs> exactly and and in the corporate setting what we see a lot is um brainstorming so brainstorming sessions are obviously really popular and they really have a preference towards extroverts because if you think of it i'll give you a prompt say go and you're expected to kind of talk and verbalize out loud and come up with ideas and introverts like the time to be quietly reflective on their own. So they get really overwhelmed in that situation. So the same type of thing happens where the extroverts are like, wow, that person never contributes. Like, why am I coming up with all the creative ideas? They're never helping our team. And the introverts are like, I never can even have the chance to voice my opinion. Uh, so that's where we see a lot of conflict come up if you don't know the people and personalities on your team. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's any patterns that you see in musicians and creatives, as well as business owners, because musicians are inherently both. And we have a lot of multifaceted musicians listening who are musicians and coaches or online teachers. Um, and I'm wondering if when it comes to like being creative, writing songs, and even running a business and having to like come up with ideas, are there differences that we need to keep in mind if you're extroverted versus introverted? Are there strengths or weaknesses with both? A little less on this dichotomy and more on the next one that I'll get into. I do think though that networking is something that extroverts just naturally feel a little bit more comfortable with. So yeah. when I think of a business, I think of the importance of obviously networking. So I could see that the extroverts would feel more comfortable introducing themselves or kind of explaining what they do to other people more confidently and uh, more in that setting. So uh, if there were introverts that were really struggling with that of how do I sell myself? How do I be that salesperson to get my voice out there? Uh, I would just say something even like pre-recorded um, videos that you can do to show so you know that you're putting your best foot forward when you're yeah. going to share what you're going to be doing would be helpful. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so let's talk about the next dichotomy or letter. Can you walk us through that? Yes, yeah, so it's sensing versus intuition. And you'll get an N if you have intuition since we already used I for introvert. So you'll either get an S or an N. And this really is um, the type of, the way that we take in information. So how do we process information? So if we think of sensing, Think of your five senses. So these are people who really like to see something, taste something, touch something in order to believe it. Uh, so that's how they'll trust the information and take in the information uh, versus intuitive kind of goes along with what we know the word intuitive to mean is they really trust their guts. They trust their hunches that they have about something. Uh, they like to look for patterns. Uh, and they are a lot more creative or visionary when it comes to that. So I would I would um, predict that a lot of the really creatives that you're saying or listening might resonate a little bit more with the intuitive side. Yeah. So 
sensing really likes to follow very logical patterns. So kind of, if this is going to happen, then that's going to happen. And they're very sequential mm-hmm. uh, and their brain kind of goes, if we think of giving directions, they're the types that are like, go three blocks South, and then you're going to make a right turn. You know, they give very um, kind of like linear instructions versus the intuitive people. They really are great at, um, believing in their guts and following those patterns that they like to see. And they'll kind of describe things a little bit more abstractly. Uh, so they'll say, you know, go go to uh, the end of the block and there'll be the big tree. You can't miss it. And at that point, make a right and I'm going to be the blue house on the left. And that's like kind of a different language when you're talking uh, with someone who's sensing. So with intuitive people, they love to make their decisions based off being seeing signs so sometimes if you have to make a big decision and you go on a walk and you're like oh my gosh you know I just saw a street sign that was you know one of the options of what I wanted to do and that helped to guide me towards making that decision Uh, that's how intuitive people make their decisions a lot that makes a lot of sense I am intuitive so I got 52 percent so you're saying that basically any percentage is high certainty. Like, is it 50 mean that I'm 50-50 split? Or does that mean that there's a really high certainty that I am that? So it would be zero would be um, kind of that you would be either. So zero is like, they're not confident based off your type. They they don't know. So yeah, it's not like any percentage, like five would still be somewhat low. But yeah, I mean, 80 something like you got for extroverts, very high. 50 would still be that they were pretty confident. So it's not... 50-50, 50-50, would be 50-50 if that okay. makes sense. Yeah, and that's really good to know for everyone listening because I would have taken that to mean like, oh, it's kind of split. It could go either way or I'm mostly this, but just barely. Um, so that's really interesting. So how does this come to play when we're running our businesses and we're trying to make business decisions? And, you know, especially from creatives, you'll hear a lot of creatives say, oh, I'm just like not type A, I can't plan, I'm all over the place. Does this relate to uh, the intuitive versus sensing here? Or does it relate to something else? And how can we really use this to know ourselves best and be able to like show up, run our businesses, feel confident and do all these things? You'll see that the um, organization's actually more the last letter that we have. But with this one, it what I would suggest is if someone is one type, to either train yourself, which is very hard to see the other perspective or to get mentors or business partners or people right below you that are high up in your business that you would trust, that would be the opposite type. So Katie, you said you're intuitive. I'm actually sensing. So if we were working together, it would be, you know, even if you were the the owner and I was like your executive assistant or something like that, Mm -hmm. it could be really helpful to feed, you know, to bounce those ideas off each other because you're seeing the other perspective, which is the hardest when it comes to this combination. Uh, Because as I mentioned, it's almost like you're speaking a different language. So if we were talking together, you might be so creative and abstract and I'm much more um, like black and white when it comes to things. So it can be hard to see. A flaw that sometimes intuitive people have is they're so visionary that it can become overwhelming and it's harder to micro-focus and focus in on things. And the opposite is, you know, the flaw that sensing people have is they're so in the details that sometimes it can be hard to see the bigger picture or, you know, 
I think some of the best CEOs are actually intuitive because they're good at looking like, where's the business going to go in the next five to 10 years versus sensing people are like, well, we're here in the present today. Like, let's focus on today. So the balance of both is obviously very important, um, but intuitive people can be seen as a lot more adaptable, which if nothing else, this last year has taught us how important that obviously adaptability aspect. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. So would you say that sensing people they're a little bit more in like the routine and the standard and what kind of just like going with what normally happens Mm -hmm. versus, or I mean, is that accurate to say? I don't want to like assume that, but. Yeah, no, that, that is accurate. So they like the routine. They like, you know, things to be a lot more orderly. Again, it's a little bit more of the judging versus perceiving, which is the last uh, letter combination, but this is a lot more of, they like to be in the present. So they're like, if it ain't fixed, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And the intuitive people are like, but let's reimagine it. Um, which again, pros and cons to both, but I think the, the team of both would be the most helpful um, in that business setting for sure. Yeah. So what about the next letter? So the next one is uh, thinking versus feeling. And this is the way that we make decisions. Another one that's a little bit um, more commonly used. So if we think of like head versus heart, a lot of times we'll say, I wish my head and my heart were in communication. Uh, So of course, thinking would be more the head, you know, component and feeling would be more the heart. So people have a preference for thinking. They're very logical. They like to make those objective decisions versus people have a preference for feeling. They take the relationships and how that decision is going to affect the person into consideration a lot. Uh, So this one is a little bit easier to see the other person's perspective. So if, if you're a thinker and I'm a feeler, you know, you kind of know if you're hurting my feelings and I kind of know if like you're getting antsy and just want to get to the point and move on with that decision-making. So this one's a little easier to work with other people that are not necessarily your style. So is it common to have I's and T's next to each other? Because I feel like they're, they seem kind of opposite, but I have, I'm like an, I'm an intuitive and a thinker (laughs) and it feels like it's contradictory in some ways, but at the same time, it makes a lot of sense because I do, I do think through things a lot and I do listen to my gut and process things in, mm-hmm. in a more f- flowy way, if you will. So that would be an N and a T. So the intuitive, oh, that's what I meant. Yes. yeah, yeah. The intuitive and the thinking combination. So yes. And those actually, um, I'll direct people at the end to like some really cool charts and those tend to be like the creative genius types because you can have those visions <laughs> you kind of know um, the logic behind it of how to get it done. So yeah, a lot of times we won't necessarily see that combination, but of course it exists. And I think, especially in the work that you do, that's like perfect for your personality style. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So similar with this, do you see like creatives tending one way versus these kinds of people tending another way and how can we really take advantage of whichever way we do tend so a lot of times creatives and and I'm a little bit through my experience is more used to um, creative people still being like teachers or counselors or coaches so a lot of times those are typed more as feelers Mm -hmm. but I do want to say we never want to assume you know, everyone can succeed in any type of job. So just because you're a feeler, you know, it doesn't mean you have to go into some sort of 
human, you know, customer support type of position. Um, you, everyone can succeed in, in any position, but yeah, a lot of times we'll see more naturally the, the feelers. So the people who really like to take into consideration the relationships and the thoughts and feelings that come with that, uh, they'll a lot of times be more in these people serving positions versus mm -hmm. thinkers. We'll see a lot more as people like accountants or people in the, the medical field, mm -hmm. um, because they're able to think very logically a lot of times, even under time of pressure and stress, which if we think of a doctor is like, you know, mostly what they do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then if you, if you don't have the type, again, surround yourself by a team that has people who lack the, the type that you have is always my number one suggestion. Um, sometimes we feel most confident working with people that are similar to us, but really surrounding ourselves with people that are different will help with that diversity of thought, which of course is so important. Mm -hmm. um, but if not, this one's a little bit easier, as I mentioned, to see the other side. So you can be like, okay, you know, I have to fire someone. Of course, that can be really difficult for anyone, but the people with the preference for feeling will oftentimes take it even harder or make it a little bit more personal with their decision-making. Mm -hmm. So even if you know that and you're like, this is going to be a hard decision for me. I have to make it though to succeed and move on. You can see that thought process of why it would be hard. So you can talk yourself out of it a little, not out of firing the person, but out of like getting so wrapped up in those emotions a little bit more easily. Right, right, right. So can you give us an example of each type processing in a, a decision? Like let's say somebody was going to decide to invest in a coach and they were trying to figure out if this is a good decision for them. How would they process this differently? So a lot of times uh, people who have a preference for thinking might figure out if they relate to the person uh, so they're really into the relationship. So they might see like what commonalities they have with the coach of, oh my gosh, you know, they're a parent and I'm a parent, or we both went to the same college or, you know, they'll look for those things in common and that's how they'll make the decision or they'll see, you know, they'll do a few sessions and if they relate to the person and connect with the person, they'll love that and want to continue on with the preference for thinking, they might be more results or data driven. So they might look at okay, well, look at the testimonials that they have on their websites, or let's try to figure out um, how successful, you know, how much more successful they can make me. And they'll be more into that data and those numbers versus more of the feelings uh, and more of like the connection that they have with someone. Yeah. And this is great because if you are selling or promoting yourself, it allows you to see that you need both sides to that because different people are going to want and need different things to make the decision. But I think it's also helpful when you're making a decision so you can ask for what you need. Like, hey, can I see a testimonial? Or hey, can I hop on a call and learn more about you or read about read your bio or something like that? Because this is what I really need in order to feel confident doing it. Mm -hmm. And so would the same go if, let's say somebody was just trying to decide, um, the next direction in their career. Okay, should I launch this program or should I release this album or should I do a Patreon? Like if they're trying to just figure out what the next step is, would one take more time than another? Would one need more space or, or certain tools? How would that differentiate? I don't think that it would necessarily be connected with that. Um, a lot of times I think that the person would just feel comfortable to do that or not, or, or you know, would put all the different feelers out there I think that the portion that would be the hardest would be to know when to move on. So if you put something, which I think is so crucial in a business aspect, right? Yeah. So 
not necessarily to move on from your whole business idea, but maybe you, you know, like you mentioned, open a Patreon page and you're like, oh no, people aren't really contributing or signing up. The, the person with the preference for thinking, they're a little bit less attached to something emotionally. So they're like, didn't work, let's move on, continue on with that creative process mm. versus the feelers might be like, well, I don't wanna, you know, admit that it didn't work to family who believed in me or, um, you know, I don't want to let anyone down. So they might be a little bit more stuck in um, the weeds of not wanting to move on just based off the emotions and not wanting to let people down. Yeah. And if I see a lot of clients who are like that, I'm like that sometimes too, but I think it's other parts of me because I still am very very thinky <laughs> when I need to be. But it is interesting because I feel like that holds a lot of people back from making decisions too, is the fear of having to like pull out or having to shut something down or fail and that. And obviously everybody feels that, but if you, um, if your type, I'll just use that word, but like if you tend to know that when something doesn't go as planned, it really wrecks you emotionally or it's really hard, then of course you would be hesitant to move forward in other situations or make similar decisions because that's a lot to go through. So are there any tools for people to like, I don't want to say cope, but just to be able to like manage a little bit better if they do feel like, oh, I'm, I'm really feelings and I'm feeling a lot and it's making it hard to like overcome fear or move forward or just make the decisions I need to make. Yeah. And imposter syndrome is so real and that's yeah. not necessarily what you're describing, but a lot of times, Very similar, yeah. yeah, a lot of times we can use those failures as unfortunate, like reinforcements of imposter syndrome. Like, well, yeah. I knew it wasn't going to work out anyways. Why did I yeah. try that? Yeah. Uh, I always say like, if you need the time to somewhat mourn or, you know, grieve over something, take it, but always having another option or um, opportunity available if possible is helpful. So again, even if it's a smaller thing that you're trying, like launching um, a group or, you know, launching different types of workshops and that doesn't work out, having another option to try out right away can be helpful versus sometimes going back to the drawing board. Once you just fail that something can be harder because you're like, well, what's the point of even trying? But if you have a big brainstorming session, prioritize what you think might work. So you're like plan one didn't work. We already know like plan A didn't work. We already know what plan B is can be helpful in that way. Um, but yeah, just having something to look forward to having mentors who you can rely on is something I think is the, one of the most important things when starting a business, that mentorship aspect. So they could be like, oh, well, I tried that too. And it didn't work in this way. Or, you know, when I failed, this is what I did to move on. And, and they can help and mentor and coach you along the way as well. Yeah. So what about that last letter? Let's get into that. Yeah. So the last one is how we organize our world. So it's judging versus perceiving. And I know the word judging in today's society is so negative. Um, I don't want us to think of judging like being judgmental or feeling judged. I want you to think of a courtroom and a judge in a courtroom. So a courtroom is very orderly. There's a very big structure. Um, and when things get unruly, you know, the judge goes order in my court. Uh, so people who have a preference for judging, which is a J on the assessment, they like things to be very organized and orderly. So I uh, think back to when you were a student, did you have a planner? Or did you take notes and were they color coded? And, um, you know, really liking to stick with that structure and stick with that organization. So um, they might have to-do lists or task lists or use their Google calendar um, very often. 
people who have a preference for perceiving. So if you got a P on the assessment, they like to go with the flow. They like to experience the world and really explore the world and not try to organize it. So I always give the example of a vacation. So if you take a vacation, which I know is different, sometimes it can be hard to separate because you're like in my work life, I might be one way and in a, you know, my personal life or vacation life, I might be a different way, but it helps to kind of drive the point home. So if you're planning a vacation, do you like to book your flights and book your hotels and book your daytime activities far in advance? So, you know, kind of have you, you have your itinerary, have your structure, or are you like, when we get there, we're going to figure out what we want to do in the moment, ask the locals and really just enjoy, um, enjoy the trip. So those are going to be, you know, obviously the, the J would like the planning and the P would like the, the fun experience. Yeah. So it's probably not going to be a surprise to most who listen, but I am a J, <laughs> but that's such a great way to put it. Yeah. Like are you creating the itinerary or are you just like showing rolling off the plane and being like all right what's happening <laughs> exactly and so um i do this work with couples which has been so fun um i just got married two weeks ago so it congratulations. was thank you so it's a fun way to uh, really help people set themselves up for success when it comes to a lot of times I'll, I'll work with any couples but a lot of times they're engaged and I worked with a couple who was planning their honeymoon and they were two opposites. And one was like, you're stressing me out by wanting to plan everything. And the other one's like, I'm not going to show up and not have a place to sleep on, you know, sleep in because yeah. you wanted to just figure out what the best hotel is when we're there. So it can be, it can be tricky. Um, but in the business setting, I do think somewhat of an organizational plan obviously would be helpful, um, but figuring out what system works best for you. And if you just are such a P and you're like, I can't even imagine setting a schedule, then knowing that you need to set aside a budget to hire someone who might be able to help schedule your meetings um, or figure out that method that would work best. Yeah, that's super interesting. And that's something I hear a lot from creatives too. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are both, but I, I feel like based on what you just said, a lot of creatives will come to me and similarly say, I just feel like I can't manage my time. I can't manage my schedule. It's really hard to like compartmentalize all these different things that are happening. So it sounds like they might be a P in that case. And how can they, especially if they maybe don't have the funds or there's not a, at a plate yes, place yet to hire out, how can they manage it with themselves? You know, do they not need to have a calendar? Do they need to just, you know, find ways to make it fun or interesting or like maybe just not plan too far in advance? Like what are some hacks or just not even hacks, but really ways to work within what they know to be true to best get the results that they want? There's so many free options for people. So yes, maybe not all of us can hire someone like to be our secretary when we're trying to start a business, of course. Um, but there's so many things, obviously, um, like online calendars are really helpful because people can send meeting invites and it, you, know, you can make the reminder on your phone if you're someone that likes technology. Uh, things like whiteboards are really helpful if you have big meetings or want to see like a month at a glance. Um, my favorite is when I work with people who really have struggle, have a struggle to get that motivation, they'll write out their tasks that they have to do for the day. So it's not like overwhelming, but they'll put them over the TV or put them on their computer screen on sticky notes. Mm. And once they finish the task, they literally take off the sticky note off the TV. And once their tasks are done, the TV 
like visually clear so they could watch TV afterwards. So mm. there's some fun, creative things to do. Um, I, I think technology and apps have made it so much easier. So using notes on your phone and there's a checklist option of that. But I do think the first time you miss one of those important meetings that, or, you know, a gig or whatever that might look like, the first time you miss it because you think you can keep it all in your head, the next minute you're going to try to figure out a system that works for you. So yeah, I think you you nailed it of having a system, but having a system that works just because everyone uses Google Calendar doesn't mean, and you like hate calendars or don't even have the app on your phone or don't have a smartphone to you know check yeah. it or whatever. Yeah. The you know if that's not going to work for you, let's not try to force it. But we do need to find find that system that works and something like you said is kind of fun and then be able to reward yourself when you have accomplished that goal can be helpful too. Yeah. So now there's this last letter that I see. It's like a dash and then another letter. Can you talk to us about what that means? Is yours like a dash and a T? Yes. Okay. So that actually is a made up letter for the, based off the assessment that you took. So it's the free version of the assessment. Okay. So in the, in the real Myers-Briggs world, we don't have that. there's not another one. It stands for, I think, turbulent. And I don't yeah. really know too much about, about <laughs> what it means other than that aspect. Um, but yeah, that's something based off the free assessment. So if you take the legitimate assessment, it, it won't be there, whether you're turbulent or not. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> so we'll just yeah. disregard that. Okay. So obviously, like you said, there's 16 different combinations, so we can't really go through each type and what that looks like and means in depth, but can you tell us a little bit about, um, how we can really look at our type as a whole and use all these different pieces to, um, number one, just get to know ourselves better, but also along the theme of what we've been talking about in this episode, really be able to like show up creatively and show up sh uh, in our strengths in our business. Yeah. So one of the strengths of this assessment, as we mentioned in the beginning, is it's so widely used. And because of that, it's so widely researched. So if you just Google it, of course, there's like the rabbit hole of Google where you'll find weird articles about it. But if you even just do an image search of like Myers-Briggs 16 types, there's charts that'll come up and they're so helpful for you to see obviously your own type and then the other types around you. So if you do that and see your type, um, a lot of times you'll get my favorite chart is like it shows the percentage of people who have your type, which I think is interesting. I think that that's really interesting because you can see maybe how common your personality style is or how rare. And sometimes that can be a revelation of like, wow, I have one of the more unique personality styles. Maybe the 1% of population has this one. And that's why I don't necessarily connect or click with other people right away. Mm. Or my personality style is like 13% of people, you know, one of the higher higher numbers. So I'm like, well, that's maybe why I love relating to people and can find those commonalities quickly. Um, but what you can do, so you see the percentage and then a lot of times they'll have words that describe um, your personality's type. And those tend to be really helpful in that scenario. So um, whatever words those are, but as you mentioned, something I think is the most important is viewing this as a holistic four letter combination. So instead of just saying independently, like that means I'm extroverted and I'm intuitive and I'm thinking and I'm judging, which I think was your type, um, instead of just using them independently, finding how the combination of them is helpful. And that's what I work with my uh, clients to do where I say, okay, well, 
as an ENTJ, this is how you come across in maybe the work setting, or these are some of your potential downfalls or blindsides, or these are the strengths that you should show other people. Um, but there's also so much research out there. So if you were to just to Google ENTJ, um, you can find so much even on the Myers-Briggs website for free of your type when it comes to relationships, when it comes to work, when it comes to social life, it, there's a lot of good research out there. I just looked it up and I don't know how accurate this chart is, but it says that ENTJ is the second rarest at 1.8% and INFJ is the, the rarest. <laughs> it's pretty rare. That's why when you mentioned the N and the T, I'm like, it's a little less common. Yeah. And a lot of times, um, I think the ENT is, is even more um, rare when it comes to that. So interesting. Yeah. Well, it is fascinating though, because there's, there's parts where I could have been like, well, but I am intuitive in this way. And I, you know, like I said, I think it makes sense for me. Cause I am, I'm like a split combination of thinky and feely. Like you cannot get any more split. And I feel like this very much encapsulates that. Um, so it's really interesting. Do you have any resources or specific places to go that you recommend first and foremost to read more about our type and really get to know it a little bit more? The Myers-Briggs website is, of course, the one um, that's through the Myers-Briggs organization, and that's the one that's going to be the most legitimate, just based off their research that they've shown. But there's so much that's out there, and I do think a lot of it's very reputable. I can send you some links if you want to um, include them in any of your notes or anything like that, that I can share with you, like the chart that's my favorite or the links that I use when I'm working with my clients as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's cool, like in the 16 personalities, it says that they call it a commander, which is my type. So I'm wondering what your take is on how we can sort of embrace the strengths and work with the weaknesses. Because I feel like it's really easy to be like, oh, I'm this and that means that I show up in this way and I don't like it. Or, oh, like I'm this, which means I my ego is huge right now and like I'm the best person ever. Like, obviously this is really great because it's a tool for us to work with other people. So do you have any tips or suggestions for how we can um, look at this critically and not, you know, not take it super personally, but also allow it to inform how we can grow? Yeah, so this is innately who you are. So I would love for people to embrace it for everything that you are, right? So of course there's things within us that we don't like or wish we could change or, you know, oh, well, I wish I could view it from this other perspective instead, but we could wish all we want. And you're always gonna go back to what's the most comfortable for you, which is really your personality. So we can develop some of those other sides, but I would always say that this is your strength, whether you're like, I really resonate with commander, for example, or not, like whether you resonated with it or not, that's your type. So let's see how we can use that as a strength and figure out specifically as someone who's a business owner, you know, how can we use that to show our strengths? I think for, for weaknesses, and as I mentioned, I'm also a Clifton strengths coach, which is very much strengths-based. So that training kind of taught me that we should always try to reframe and not focus too much on our weaknesses, mm -hmm. but instead surround ourselves by people that maybe have strengths in the areas that we don't. So I know I keep mentioning that and I don't mean go hire a huge staff if that's not possible, but find those mentors or, you know, those key investors, those stakeholders who can help you along the way, who might be different from you or offer that different perspective that you're like, well, I have this as a strength, but I don't have that. We'll find someone who has that. 
um, because then they can bring in that lens for you. Yeah. When you work with couples or even businesses and whatnot, how do you help them overcome conflicts? Because I, I guess like the vacation example you gave, if people have different types, it's easier said than done. I feel like to be like, oh, let me just go seek out people different than me. And then you get in the room and you're like, oh my God, you're so different from me. You don't see anything the same. Like I I can't understand you. (laughs) So like, it seems great, but it could also feel bad (laughs) in the moment. So how do we navigate that? And like I said, it's so much easier to to connect with people instantly who are similar to us. but my biggest thing is awareness is the most helpful. So understanding the other person and the awareness. So going back to your family scenario with the extrovert versus introvert, like, you know, maybe now if you took this assessment and you're like, well, that's maybe why my dad always leaves. It sounded like you had good awareness of why, but yeah. maybe before your mom was um, always so annoyed that he left and they're like, why do you always leave? And you don't care about the family. And um and he didn't know how to verbalize, like, I'm an introvert. I need yeah. time to recharge. Yeah. And he was just like, why do you need me to be there all the time? You know, they didn't have that language to use. Right. If I gave them this assessment and, you know, discovered that, well, this is why, then you could almost have a new language to speak. Like, I'm going to need my time to recharge. This is how it can look. This is the way I can do it. So that's what I do with couples. So with the, um, and, and companies too, obviously your relationship with your coworkers is probably a little less important than your relationship with your significant other, Mm -hmm. but with the, um, vacation example. So knowing that one person might be one way and one person might be the other, what I specifically did with this couple was we assigned tasks and roles. So I said, well, if, person A likes planning and person B doesn't. So probably person A was the judging, person B was the perceiving. Would we be okay if person A planned the trip? And, you know, we discussed what that would look like. Um, Person A can't, you know, it's a big burden to plan that. You want to make sure that the other person likes the trip, things like that. But they said that it was something that they liked planning. So they would take that on. And they said, well, I'm going to need that recognition and validation that I planned a good trip. So I'm going to need person B to let me plan the trip, but I also want to know I did a good job and get yeah. credit for it. And yeah. person, B like, person B was like, I would love for you to do that. It's stressful for me to have to do that. And these are the priorities of what I want to do on the trip. You know, And once we know that we've hit these things, then I'm going to give you the, the flexibility to do it. So it's more just having the conversation having the wording and knowledge around it and maybe the why behind we do something will cause less conflict when we can identify why someone's doing it. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And I think that um, a lot of people will dumb it down of just like type A or not or type B or not. And it can be really hard to understand the other perspective. I have a similar situation with a close friend of mine where we uh we studied abroad together back in college and i would just like deeply plan all of our trips and she would just show up and when she went on a solo trip she was just like couch surfing and neither one stressed her out which was amazing so like she was fine to follow the plan or do her own thing when she was solo but it's nice when you're able to give each other the space that you need like if you know someone's a planner and you're okay to let them be a planner it, it feels really good, right? And when you're also able to um, do what you need to do and not be involved in the planning or simply be able to have like maybe some free time to do whatever you want or just basically ask for what you need, it can create these really symbi- symbiotic relationships 
where no one's feeling like stressed or unheard or unseen. And that's why this tool I think is so great. Exactly. And Yes, saving, saving businesses, saving marriages. <laughs> That's good at the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so a couple final questions. I'm really curious how this can help us inform how we might approach setting goals or even manifesting, um, which I know is a little less tangible, but I think, you know, there's some people who probably are super planny and others who aren't <laughs> and some people who might get also like down in the weeds with stuff and others who might be a little bit more flowy just letting things happen but how can we use this to inform that aspect of our careers and our lives I think just knowing your type and your style is what's going to be the most helpful uh, so knowing like yes I'm intuitive I like to manifest and I like to um, you know figure out where my next step is going to be. And I'm always thinking of that next step. If you know that that's what you like to do and what you thrive on, then this assessment will help you figure that out. And it can help you articulate that that's your why behind it. Um, and same with the planning. I think, and I love that uh, manifesting is so intuitive. Like people with N always talk about manifesting. With their voice. <laughs> it's so popular right now. Yeah. Um, so I'm laughing that I'm like, of course, as an N, you're like into that. I love yeah. it. But then at uh, the same time, I have this T. So yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm super intuitive and manifesting, but then I will overthink it like to the end of yeah. time and like yeah. try, try to think it. And then it's like, oh, I'll get intuitive. And then I'll try to think my way through it after that. And it doesn't work out, which apparently is not a lot of other people's problems because <laughs> it's a tough problem to have. Exactly. It's like I said, it's, it's much rarer. Yeah. Um, but, but then finding somebody who can, um, help you bring out that side and help really embrace that side that you would have. So, uh, if that's something that for your business, you'd be interested in, kind of thinking more intuitively or manifesting and you have these ideas, but you don't know how to articulate them. Mm. That's something that this assessment can help with. Um, and, and not fully, it's more just um, reinforces that your thoughts are valid because, you know, sometimes we feel without this contextual information behind it, we don't know why we want to do something or why we right. feel some way. So it can just really help in that way. Um, and I, I still just feel like it helps us build our teams the most effectively in order to have that diversity of thought. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Is there anything else that you want to add in terms of what specifically we should be looking out for as business owners, or again, just how we can like use this tool to continue to learn more about ourselves and grow? The tool, my biggest piece is the tool just really helps with that self-awareness. So it shouldn't fully tell you something that you didn't already know because we've known ourselves for however yeah. many number of years. So yeah. hopefully like once you took the assessment, you're like, this does sound like me and, and this maybe helps me see why I do something, but it shouldn't be like the most life-changing uh, example of what you are because it should have already been who you are. Uh, but what I do see it helps people with is it helps them understand themselves better and it helps them understand other people better. And those human dynamics and human relationships and self-awareness is what's going to make someone succeed, especially in the business world. So knowing why you do something, knowing maybe the letters that you don't have and figuring out that those could be potential downfalls or pitfalls when starting a business uh, or doing this with your team, even if it's a team of two, a team of three, doing this to figure out those dynamics can be really helpful to prevent some of that early conflict, which is really the killer of, of small businesses. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on today. This was a ton of fun. Can you tell us where we can connect with you, follow you, and work with you? Thank you. Yeah, so it's all on my website. So you can go to chelseacoachesu.com. And I have the tabs for businesses, couples, and individuals. So uh, I really use the tool to guide any of those conversations. Uh, and then on social media, you can find me at Chelsea Coaches U on Instagram, um, or my personal one is Chelsea underscore Weiner. And so I post a lot of leadership information there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Out To Be podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, rate and review it on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps us spread the message and get this podcast out to even more women in music. For more information on coaching services, head to katiezacardi.com. See you next week.